1: On this edition of the Wizards Talk podcast, we chat with Brooklyn Nets courtside reporter Michael Grady. Topics ranging from how the Nets are coping with the COVID crisis, which Nets player needs to step up in the restart, and what's it like on a daily basis to cover Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It should be noted that we recorded this podcast before the Nets signed veteran guard Jamal Crawford and in talks with bringing in PG County native Michael Beasley. Michael Grady also marched the streets of Brooklyn during the protests following the death of George Floyd and chronicled those events with his camera. Here now, my conversation with Michael Grady. And just a reminder, the Wizards Talk podcast is also available on our my Teams app. Hey, Michael, let's get right to it, man. Uh, on the day of this recording, you had some press availabilities with uh, the management uh, and the coaching staff of the Brooklyn Nets, man. If there's any team that's kind of gone through this COVID-19, I I can't think of a a team being more impacted than the Nets.
0: No question. When the pandemic first hit, Chris, it was four players uh, that ended up having it, including Kevin Durant. And then you fast forward to today as we get ready for this restart. And Spencer Dinwiddie not only has it, uh, but he has symptoms, chest tightness, a fever, things along those lines. So many other players have been asymptomatic. Uh, DeAndre Jordan also has coronavirus, and so it's just affected a number of them, as Wilson Chandler deciding not to go to Orlando. So it has certainly hit the Nets really hard. Uh, Sean Marks, the team GM, said they, they took a poll, you know, to decide whether or not they wanted to gather in Brooklyn or gather a little bit early in Orlando, and, and they decided that they wanted to do it in Brooklyn. And uh, unfortunately, it caught up with a couple of guys, so it'll certainly affect the team, but certainly thinking about
1: those guys and their, their health and getting better first and foremost. I think that's priority number one, man. As we're going through this, um, Michael, did the practice facility have to close?
0: Uh, it's my understanding that that was the case, and then they're they're reopening it. So, um, so for a time after Spencer and DeAndre Jordan, that whole thing, they had to shut everything down um, and making sure they're going through proper protocols and channels before reopening. So. Um, they're they're following all the rules um, that's been mandated to make sure that they're operating on the up and up and making sure folks get tested or contacted in contact with both DeAndre and Spencer. So it's uh, it's it's still a process of learning on the fly, too, and then reacting to what transpires. But they're trying to do the best they can under the circumstances.
1: You know, even before the more recent names that have been impacted by COVID with the Brooklyn Nets, I wanted to get you on for. Several reasons, and one of them was this narrative that is out here about Kyrie Irving voicing his concerns about going back, and just some of the national comments that i heard about Kyrie, and Michael, I think it's more nuanced than what is kind of being portrayed nationally, and I wanted to get your take on this. One, if there was any issue that I would have had with what Kyrie was saying, it would have been kind of the timing of it. Right. With him being so high up in the players union. I feel like those conversations could have been had a couple of weeks before, you know, these the players made the vote. That is the only issue that I have with it. What was your thoughts of just hearing just the national take on Kyrie uh, voice and concerns about going back to play?
0: Well, you know, I've, I found it interesting in, in, in covering him and the time that I have and watching the media scrutiny. And how he handles it, there just aren't many guys who are under that kind of uh, scrutiny and have to deal with what he has you know to deal with and he 's not one to jump in front of a camera and defend himself at any opportunity, and he 's not one to you know dance or smile or any kind of thing in front of the camera he 's just him that's it you know and um, I think a lot of folks in the in the media um, If we don't feel like we're getting what we want or if we're not feel like we're getting the type of, you know, interaction or vibe that we want, then we'll kind of formulate, you know, our own narrative. But this is a different kind of this is a different kind of cat. Um, And uh, in this 24 seven news sports, you know, cycle where we constantly have to talk about something it's kind of easy to pick on a guy like that, or even a Kevin Durant to a certain extent, who doesn't cater to the media himself. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, these guys move to the beat uh, of their own drum. Um, they have their own thoughts and ideas, and it may be different from other people's thoughts and ideas, and if you don't have the, if you don't follow the herd, people are gonna go, well, this guy's different. This guy is great, what's wrong with this guy? Uh, and then you add on the fact that, you know, leaving LeBron, leaving Boston, deciding not to go to the Knicks. You know, there are several fan bases that have kind of, you know, kind of turned their back on Kyrie and don't really care for the guy. Those are strong fan bases. Say, yeah, I don't want to play for Boston anymore. Okay, they all hate you. Oh, I'm not going to play for the Knicks. I'm going to go to Brooklyn. Okay, the Knicks fans hate you. So anytime something's tweeted, oh, Kyrie did this, or Kyrie did that, you know, from a Boston standpoint or people who don't necessarily like him, here's proof that Kyrie's not a good leader. Here's proof that Kyrie's not a good this or that or whatever it may be. So, my challenge for people is to just think for themselves. You know this, Chris, when you meet a guy and a guy may have a reputation, you want to find out for yourself. Absolutely. You still want to, like, I'm, I'm not just going to follow the narrative. I'm going to interact with this guy with a clean slate. And so that's what I came in with with Kyrie. And there's just so many people who aren't in the locker room like you and I are, who aren't on you know the team playing or around these guys as often as we are. And they have their soapbox and they can formulate these opinions and so many people will believe it. So um, my whole thing with the with what Kyrie was saying and and you make a great point about the timing and when he could have had these conversations. I don't know if something changed or he got more information or he started second guessing, whatever it may be. But I still feel strongly that he spoke up for people who may have had reservations, who may not have been in the room when um, when Kyrie was having early talks, you know, with the Players Union. And he was speaking up for guys who didn't feel that strongly about, you know, that didn't feel comfortable necessarily letting their voices be heard on it. And when we all want the same thing, we all want justice, we all want reform, we all want these things, there may be different routes, but we can't, you know, fire shots at each other in the process when we want the same thing. So if a guy decides that I think it's best that I don't play or we not play, and we continue the, the momentum that we're building in the streets and speaking out for reform, and that's the method that, that's close and near and dear to his heart, I can respect that. If a guy says, no, I'm going to use my platform on the court, and I'm going to speak out as often as I can and be involved and play the game that I love, and with those eyeballs, I'm going to continue to get the message out, got to respect that too. And I think that the slander involved with because, you know, one guy spoke up and said maybe we shouldn't, especially when it was Kyrie. Um, I just don't think that that was helpful and productive. And I thought it caused quite a distraction to what we all
1: want, Chris. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings, just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. Mm. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. percent mm-hmm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Michael Grady, courtside reporter for the Brooklyn Nets on the S network, joining us here on the Wizards Talk podcast. Michael, right now, before, you know, the teams go down to Orlando, the Nets are currently six games ahead of, of my Wizards. it's the reason why I'm having you on the Wizards Talk podcast, right? And there's been so much conversation in DC about, development, and going for the playoffs. And it is my opinion that you can actually do both when you have a player like Bradley Beal. You can actually develop the Thomas Bryants, the Isak Bangas, the Troy Browns, the Rui Hachimoras of the world, while you have this player like Bradley Beal who should have been an all-star and could be up for all NBA discussion, where I feel like when they get down there, they can actually do both. And with everything that's going on in Brooklyn right now with the COVID, I'm giving Washington a real chance of being a player in qualifying for the playoffs. Do you see that dynamic working? Do you believe in development and going for the playoffs as being the same thing?
0: Yeah, you know, and, and um, I'm not calling anybody out specifically in the media. It's just what we may see on social media, what we may see on some of the talk shows and, and questions that are being asked. And it's as if it has to be one, or the other so it's refreshing to hear you say it can be both it absolutely can be both if I was to ask the head coach or general manager you guys going out there to lose no absolutely not we're trying to win if you ask the coach hey you trying to evaluate some of the young guys on your roster you trying to evaluate some of these guys for the future in December when we start play for the 2020-2021 season that answer is going to be yes as well it's not oh, I think this team should lose, or the Wizards should go out there and lose, or the Nets, given their predicament now with COVID, should go out there and just lose and get it over with. No, they want to go out there and win, and if you compete to the best of your ability and give yourself a chance to win, it also gives you the best chance to evaluate these guys. You see them giving a strong effort. You see them out there competing, showing what they can do, giving themselves the best chance to win. That gives you, as a coach, the, the, the scouting staff, the general manager, the best opportunity to see what these guys are capable of. So I can see a lot of guys putting things on the line because whether it's for the Wizards or even for the Nets, there's no guarantee that the guys we're going to see out there on the court are going to be with the squad next season. And from the Nets' perspective, these dudes want to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving everything out there on the court
1: because I want to be a part of something special. I want to go back to something that you said earlier, Michael, about Kyrie and really this kind of being like your first year of being around him on a daily basis, there is something about the bus ride, the plane ride, picking up our keys in the uh, lobby at three in the morning with the players. We're all tired. Right. And it's those conversations that while we might not uh, deliver it over the air or in a blog or anything, it's a conversation that we always keep in the back of our head as to who this guy really is, like when he's not bouncing the ball or he doesn't have tons of cameras in his face, he's just a dude. What were you able to kind of take away so far this season of interacting with either Kevin or Kyrie that, you know, people might not know or just assume that there's something that they're not? Yeah, Well,
0: for one, family is extremely, extremely, extremely important uh, to Kyrie Irving, and that is his safe haven. Um, when a lot of people may throw daggers or accuse him of this or say he's this type of guy, whatever it may be, uh, it's really his family that he lead, leans on, and that's his support system. So when he says something that may be perceived as controversial, that's um, eaten alive from the sports talk shows or whatever it may be, he is secure in the fact that he has his family around him, his support, his support system, and that gets him through from the, you know day to day. And if the people in his circle applaud his courage and tell him he's doing the right thing, then it continues to give him the courage to, to speak out. If 99 people are saying one thing and he feels in his heart as the one other person there that it's the right thing, he has the confidence and the strength to do it. And so that support system is extremely important to him. Uh, the death in his family during that uh, uh, last season there in Boston, again, wasn't talked about a whole lot, but it certainly impacted him. And it's just another reminder of how important our support system and our family is and why it was important for him when he had the opportunity to choose for himself, where he wanted to continue to play basketball, uh, why the Nets, the team that he grew up watching while growing up in New Jersey was the best place, uh, was the best place for him. And so he's not afraid to speak up and speak out on things that are extremely important to him. There are a lot of guys in the NBA with, you know, a lot of quirks or whatever it may be or or guys who, um, uh, you know, the diva label or whatever it may be. And I don't know very many superstars who don't like things a particular kind of way. You know, LeBron likes things a particular kind of way and we go, oh, that's LeBron. Uh, other superstars, same kind of thing. Oh, this is the way I do this. Or this is the way I do that. And, and those guys are given you're given the right to do that because you're a superstar. Um, but when something comes out about Kyrie, it's like, oh man, see, he's uh, he's one of those. Oh, he's, he's a superstar. He's won a championship. It's one of the biggest shots in Cleveland Cavaliers history. These guys have a right, you know, to move and navigate a little bit, a little bit differently. And so, Kyrie's a star here now. Kevin's a star here now. And um, those guys are going to lean on each other because they're very similar in a lot of ways. Kevin was a darling at one point, just like Kyrie was. And then making the decision to go to Golden State has made him a villain ever since. And he looks at the media a little bit differently than what he may have uh, early in his career. So those guys are certainly gonna lean on each other. And, and certainly, uh, this squad can certainly look like a, a bad boys, uh, if mm-hmm. you will, moving forward. <laughs> Not in terms of cheap shots on the basketball right. court, but the way, we, the way that we look at these guys. I'm Mike Tarico, and on the next episode of Sports Uncovered, the mysterious disappearance that changed a Super Bowl. Filled my backpack up with all the liquor from the mini bar and took off towards Mexico.
1: I saw Barrett in the lobby. I ran into him. Not long thereafter, Al called me and said, Barrett's not playing. And I hung up the phone, and I looked at my husband, and I said, we just lost the game.
0: Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Sports Uncovered for free wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: You know, obviously here in D.C., there is a certain percentage of fans that feel some type of way about Kevin. And I would just remind you to just kind of walk around D.C. and look at the footprint that he's laid in terms of his financial commitment to the community. Uh, He doesn't have to put on your uniform to impact your community. I've, I've said that. And there's some people that kind of look at me kind of weird when I say it, Michael, and others look at me like, yeah, you're right, dog. I get what you're saying. (laughs) You know, he he is putting his money where his mouth is. Uh, Michael Brady joining us here on the Wizard (laughs) Talk podcast. Have you wrapped your mind around what hopefully post-COVID would be and we get back to, like, normalcy? What it will be like to cover a Brooklyn Nets team that has two superstars in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Well, uh, I tell you
0: what, this fan base has certainly started to come alive. You know, there were some down years following that Garnett and Paul Pierce trade and not having draft picks, being bad, not not having anything to look forward to in terms of having a a great lottery pick. Those are some rough years. And what Sean Marks has been able to do to build a respectable team, a team that was ahead of schedule a year ago with D'Angelo Russell, Dinwiddie and company, and getting to the playoffs and competing against Philadelphia and then putting themselves in position to get a Kyrie and a Kevin. I mean, the fan base here is so hungry for a winner and being a part of something special because the identity of the Nets in Brooklyn is still a work in progress. It's still been developing. It's still somewhat in its uh, infancy, if you will. And so the, the, there's still an early chapters in this book about the Brooklyn Nets and the Kevin, Kevin Durant, Kyrie are going to have a big say-so And what that future and what these chapters look like. And so uh, I know folks will go, oh, but it's still a Knicks, you know, Knicks City and Knicks, whatever. Um, There are a lot of people in New York. (laughs) There are a lot (laughs) of people in New York. There are plenty of people who don't care for the Knicks, and there are plenty of people who want to see something special in Brooklyn. And so I seen Kevin on Media Day last year with the Nets jersey on and going, Whoa! This is, this, is, this is different, it's real. Seeing Kyrie on media day with the jersey is just like, you know, talking about two special, special players. And when Kevin finally steps out on the court, I'm not only speaking for myself, for a lot of people, I think it'll finally feel real. I, I, right now, it's kind of like, you know, we've been waiting so long, and before the season, I'm sure we've we talked about, you know, could Kevin play toward the end of the year, pre, right. pre-COVID conversation. And, um, you know, we've just been waiting and waiting and waiting, but he's put in a ton of work in the gym. You asked me about him too, and you know this. He is a maniac when it comes to preparing himself and preparing his body and studying the game and doing all that he can to be the best that he can be. And um, we're going to see that, you know, front and center uh, once basketball gets rolling. And and I I hope that there is a sense of normalcy um that you know this Orlando thing is just okay it's just for this last part of this season wrapping things up and then as time goes on you know scientific advances whatever we need to get a handle on uh coronavirus um it takes care of itself so that um we can have a sense of normalcy in everyday life and uh
1: certainly with the game that we that we know and love uh, Brooklyn is a very intriguing city uh for me the team is intriguing uh as someone that really loves the league uh you said something there and it just hit me brooklyn's fan base to me from the outside looks like what atlantic avenue is looking like now Mm. they're just building right they're building Mm -hmm. around barclays center and i feel like the fan base and the team are kind of like the same thing where the city is rising and i feel like the interest around the nets are rising also and it'll be interesting to see what it looks like man in a couple years especially if the nets are uh, in that championship-contending mode, which with those two players, <laughs> they've definitely got a chance. Michael, I want to get to some more serious topics. Obviously, with COVID going on, we've also had an activation in our communities after the death of George Floyd, and uh, I have been so impressed by what you're doing up in Brooklyn. I know you have been um, taking part in some of the protests and some of the marches up there, but you're not just doing it through your lens, through your eyes, you're also doing it through the lens of your camera. And uh, I'm gonna share some of your photos with some of our viewers when we put this online, but just give me a sense of how you've been able to your artistic uh, mind on a very
0: serious subject. You know, um, I've always, Chris, been one to, um, uh, been in love with the arts and expressing myself in one way or another, whether it be you know, poetry or even at a young age in theater or whatever it may be, Um, music for a a short time. And uh, photography has always been something that's been near and dear to my heart. Uh, My great-grandfather showed me my first cameras, uh, Polaroid, and I used to love looking through photo albums and things like that. And I just always loved having a, a camera nearby. And um, even when I worked for the, uh, the Pacers for the better part of the decade, and I was doing PA announcing, I would announce the game and still have a camera there. And as the game's going on, I would snap pictures of the players going by. And then somebody would score and then put the camera down and, and say the guy's name. <laughs> and the guys I'm working with thought I was crazy. Um, but I've got folders and folders and folders of, uh, of games and and then just footage that I've had right there uh, from the scores table. And um, so... I've always, always loved photography and capturing and freezing a moment. And as you, as you, the word you used, activation, with what transpired, with what we've seen over the course of the last uh, month or so, has really, has really hit me. And, um, you know, we, you, we'll speak on issues from time to time and it might be behind closed doors or it may be, you know, there may be an incident that happened in the past and you have a few conversations about it or whatever it may be. And then life continues to go on. And there was just something about life to a certain extent being halted with with COVID and everybody, you know, in quarantine. The sequence of events that happened, you know, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor, yeah, I'll be honest. Even the the Amy Cooper, you know, Christian Cooper situation in in, in Central Park, mm-hmm. and then and then leading right up to uh, George Floyd and his murder, and everybody watching that and seeing it uh, on their phone, seeing it on the news, and uh, you know this as well as I do. Sometimes it's a, unfortunately a violent situation that you know lifts people to well, it puts people in a position where they understand what's going on and how crazy things actually are and that change actually needs to happen. So the Edmund Till situation and the the open casket, um, the violence that people would see on the news with the sit-ins and then seeing what happened for that eight minutes and 46 seconds with George Floyd, a lot of people opening their eyes to the reality of police brutality of um, racial oppression, of racism in general. And so many people joining the movement, going out on the streets, seeing what's happening on the news, seeing police brutality at anti-police brutality protests and saying, I can't, I can't, I can't sit down. I can't just, you know, sit here passively. I need to get out and um, be a part of this movement. And so stepping out onto the streets and seeing so many different people from different walks of life joining together in solidarity and speaking out about something that, you know, should should have been addressed. I know it's been addressed, but not to this magnitude um, years and years and years ago. It should have been addressed a long time ago. There's so many things that people are talking about now and having conversations about now. That certainly past due, but I'm thankful that they're happening and um, the momentum is continuing to bring, about, uh, to bring about change. And it was clear and evident to me, Chris, that we're all, you know, we're coming up in school and we're looking through history books and we see, okay, stuff on World War II, or we see stuff about the American Revolution or whatever it may be. And um, y- you wonder if during those times, if they realized that they were living through history, and it was just, it, it, it just dawned on me, and as it has for many people, that what we're experiencing right now will be written about in history books. Everything that we've experienced in 2020, as crazy as it's been, it will be written in books. Uh, and students will learn about it decades from now about what transpired during this time. And um, it, ju- it, just, it just was on my heart to document that while speaking out, while protesting, while marching, documenting the people who were letting their voices be heard. And um, the, the one thing that really s- is striking me through all this is visibility, being seen, being acknowledged. And there are a lot of people whose voices haven't been heard. They don't feel like they've been seen. They don't feel like they've been acknowledged at all. And that was a part of the, the picture taking process for me, showing the, showing the unity, but showing the faces of people who are finally feel like they're being seen and finally feel like they're being heard.
1: There's kind of a parallel to the team you cover and their colors and the colors in which you took your photos, black and white. And there's some, I don't want to get too deep. Okay. I might be losing some people right here, Michael. They're going to be like, wait a minute, Chris getting a little too deep here. But there is something to be said about obviously the colors that Brooklyn reps And the way you kind of documented the photos and just how they looked—it's simplicity and powerful at the same time. And I uh, was—I'm a big fan of yours, man. As you know, as a courtside reporter, I know how hard the gig is. But man, when I saw those photos, I was like, "Okay, Michael's talented, man. This brother out here—he does some different (laughs) stuff." And I I just wanted to get you on this podcast just to kind of pick your brain on what's going on with the nets with COVID with what's going on in the yeah. world but more importantly man at the end of this podcast I just want to say thank you right I, I think so much times in competition we kind of forget about what it takes to get to this point and you're someone that uh is on my radar that uh when I watch a League pass I got to see what my guy Michael's doing on the nets and this was important for me it was a uh, you know, one thing I've learned about these last three and a half months, man, is we need to slow down. Okay, and I don't know if you felt this way, but COVID has done this for me. It's allowed me to kind of slow down, look around, see what's going on, be a little more observant as opposed to being just so tunnel vision on career and family. Have Have you felt that way?
0: Yeah. No. No. That's a. That's a. That's a big fact, man. And we. It is crazy how fast we move. And I know that there are others in careers that may move a little bit quicker and I know there's different speeds, but you and I are on planes a lot. And we're traveling all over the place. Um, I had gone through an extremely uh, busy stretch right up to um, the stoppage of play because I was mixing in some college basketball games too and would fly, fly to one city and then drive to the campus and, and, and do a game and then fly back and then meet the Nets somewhere. And it's like you said, career, career and, and movement and, and all this other type of stuff. And slowing down just did not feel natural at first. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if everything had stopped mm-hmm. for about two weeks and then they got a handle on it, we were right back at it. I think this realization that you had that I, sh- that I share with you, uh, we never would have had it. But it really took sitting still for as long as we needed to sit still to say, kind of need this in my life. Yeah. And when things ramp up, I feel like I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit more grounded than I was before. We're still ambitious. We're still pursuing what we want to pursue and, and trying to do the best at our jobs. But I, I, I think we have an understanding of that there, that there, are, there are larger things at play and, and things that we care about and our, our own mental sanity at the same time, uh, too. So, yeah, I'm going to think twice before just jumping back on the hamster wheel and, and going 100 miles an hour. It's like there's just so much more to this uh to this world to this life to our experience and there are things that are important to uh, our mental health at the same time too um than just going full steam ahead once things open back up
1: man it's been awesome thank you for some of your time and uh thanks again for the photos man uh they're awesome uh i will see you i will see you soon brother i don't know when (laughs) it's gonna be but when i see you um you know that meal is on me when i come up to brooklyn brother. My man, I, I look forward
0: to it. You know, I, I uh, appreciate you so much. And, and um, you know, you're one of the faces, you know, when we play. I, I look forward to running up and, and saying up too, man. Uh, you're a terrific brother, man.
1: And I, and I appreciate your friendship. And I look forward to seeing you real soon, bro. My brother, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this latest edition of the Wizards Talk podcast.